Mike Drop Dallas is back. Welcome to season two of the official podcast of the Dallas Sports Commission. Kevin Sullivan here, along with the executive director of the Sports Commission, my friend Monica Paul. Monica, we had a little bit of a uh, six or seven week summer break. What did you do on your summer vacation? Uh, well, uh, Sully, first off, I've kind of missed you. So I'm glad that we're kicking off season two here. Uh, I think we've got an exciting season coming up and some great guests. But I did take a, a little time off for, in, I wouldn't say off for vacation purposes, but uh, at least off from the mic drop to be able to, to focus on a lot of World Cup stuff uh, as we continue planning after we were named a host city. Uh, obviously, that we've got to continue down the road. So uh, excited to share the season with everyone, uh, kind of next steps and the possibilities to be involved in the World Cup. Um, we still hosted numerous events uh, uh, during the, the break. So we just finished up the Naga Gay Softball World Series. A lot of planning going into our upcoming Women's Final Four and the celebration of 50th anniversary of Title IX. So uh, other than that, I did a lot of work. But uh, this past weekend, I did get to enjoy my lake house for, for and some friends for um, and it's been a long time since I've had a chance to do that. So very grateful and thankful that we had some time off. Well, it was, was well-deserved time off, given all that went into landing that World Cup 2026 bid. And, of course, your work on the on the Women's Final Four and all the other events that you have coming up. Anything new on the on the World Cup? Any details or anything new you can share? Well, you know, we'll really be focused on what does our host committee structure look like uh, that has to be finished up by the end of uh, 2022, so December. But uh, you know, still a little bit further down the down the line, and hopefully 23, maybe 24, uh, where we'll know how many matches that we'll be hosting and what level of matches. But a lot of planning going into uh, what does our you know concepts around FIFA Fan Fest look like. Um, you know, what are the opportunities for host city donor programs and host city supporters so corporations and our local brands here that call Dallas and the DFW area home to be involved, maybe at a greater capacity uh, for the World Cup. So uh, just a lot of a lot of planning stages right now as we gear up uh, for Qatar in November and December, we will be sending a group over every host city has the opportunity to do so just to get an idea of what exactly is a World Cup for those who may me have not been to one before? Now it's also college football season. I know you're you're excited about your Longhorns. Oh. You know, as a communications person, I, I thought uh, Coach Sarkeesian was very smart in advance of the Alabama game to say this game, this one game, will not define our program. We're, you know, we're we're going to be prepared. We're going to go out and play as well as we can, but. He, I thought it was smart to get in front of that, uh, you know, fending off maybe any any doomsday scenarios. But how do you feel about about the Longhorns and all the college football we have coming to Dallas Fort Worth? Well, I think Sark may have uh, learned a little bit from uh, Coach Saban there uh, in terms of his response to the media. So not only did he learn from from a coaching standpoint, but maybe handling the media in those situations and. Um, well, I'm excited about my team. I, obviously, this upcoming weekend is a is a big one with Texas playing Alabama. Uh, I, I saw bits and pieces of the of the game this past weekend, um, but 
you know, I'm always excited for, for college football season and NFL for that matter. So uh, Saturdays and Sundays, that's what I'll be spending a lot of my time. And uh, we're very blessed here in the Dallas area and at Cotton Bowl Stadium to host State Fair Classic. So we'll have the Grambling Preview game and then Texas and OU and the Red River Showdown right behind it starting off in uh, October. So uh, love to love to see that energy and passion of all those fans coming into town. So uh, exciting September and October coming. Well, and season two of Mike Draft Dallas is going to be exciting too. You know, the first season, you know, we, we ran a year and a half, 69 episodes, I think it was. You think about some of the guests that we had from, you know, we had we we had multiple head coaches and general managers from our pro teams, including the wings. You know, we cover women's sports here. We got into some we got into some challenging topics, uh, including mental mental health and opportunities for underserved populations of young people in sports business. We, and we took on those conversations. We talked a lot about the the journey that each of our guests had on the sports business side to get a career going in sports. And then we had a bunch of legendary figures like Emmett Smith and Nancy Lieberman. We had Shaq on for crying out loud. Remember when Marcus interviewed him? Uh, Tim Brown, Sint Marshall, Drew Pearson, lots of Hall of Famers, Troy Aikman, a great storyteller uh, like Dave Brown from the AAC and, of course, Marty Turco from the Stars, whose story, the San Jose caper, was one of my favorite moments of our first 69 episodes. Jason Kidd, Mike Reiner, Tim Brown, Charlotte Jones, all kinds of media luminaries from Dallas-Fort Worth. It really has been a blast, and so for our listeners Get ready. Season two isn't going to be 69 episodes. We're going to take a little bit of a different approach and roll out uh, season two here kind of through the fall uh, into the holidays. We'll see what we come up with. Uh, but we know we're we're going to have a, a uh, you know, thanks to the team at Tony Fay PR and your team at the Sports Commission, we know we're going to have a great lineup of guests that highlight both the Dallas-Fort Worth, you know, pro teams and college teams. Of course, we had SMU coach Rhett Lashley on. Uh, but we're also going to have representatives of the wide array of events and, and, and sports that you bring to town. We've talked cricket, we've talked robotics, we've talked fishing, anything like that up your sleeve for, for, uh, for coming up in the next few months, any of those sort of off the beaten path events that are so important to uh, driving economic impact in our area. Well, silly. Now that you mention it uh, here upcoming in the next two weeks, we do have, um, PTO US Open, which is professional triathlon coming back to the DFW area in nice. Irving. So should be a great show and uh, and definitely a, a growing sport here locally for us. Uh, very, very positive. Uh, you know, World Food Championships. Most people don't think about uh, food and sports together, but it is a Super Bowl of, uh, of food. Um, You're so going to get me a spot as a judge this year, right? Yeah. Hey, I got to, I was able to judge last year and I think I've already signed up for this year. So <laughs> that was, that was pretty special. Uh, those amateur cooks, uh, um, they're not joking there. They're, they're very talented, some great food, some, uh, and all different categories. So really excited about that. Um, we, we may have a few little future announcements coming up, but more so for 2023. So, uh, I think we'll, you know, we, we thrive on trying to continue to bring sports here to the to the Dallas area. So we've got some some regular 
uh, attendees and events coming back. But then I think we have some new ones for 2023 and beyond. And uh, our focus really over September, October, November, uh, we're in the midst of a bid for the NCAA Women's Final Four and Men's Final Four for 2028 to 2031. So uh, we've gone all the way through the bid preparation and site visits we've hosted here over the last few weeks in the summer. Uh, and then we have our bid presentation that we actually present to the both the men's and women's basketball committees in October uh, and November, and then should be an announcement in November. So hopefully, uh, fingers crossed, we're announcing another major mega event, uh, or ideally two, uh, coming back here uh, in the future. So not can't forget, too, that uh, we should be having some meetings regarding the uh, Rugby World Cup for 2031, where we're a candidate host city for that as well. So uh, a lot of things uh, continue on parallel tracks uh, with our World Cup announcement. Well, it all sounds great, Monica. Mike Drop Dallas is the only place that you can you can get uh, only podcast with the array of Hall of Famers and Dallas-Fort Worth stars and a focus on the events that are coming to town with the sports business angles. So uh, please check us out next week, Thursday, September 15th. We plan to drop the first season of episode two. But today we're going to leave you with an instant replay from last season featuring a couple, a couple of, of great guest stars that we had on. Darren Woodson from the Cowboys and Michael Finley from the Mavericks. So let's drop the mic and let's go. Now we're honored to be joined by longtime Cowboys great Darren Woodson, 12 seasons with the Cowboys, retired as the all-time leading tackler. This was a hard-hitting guy. So 12 seasons, all those hits, the, the people on the receiving end of those hits are, are having a hard time getting out of bed right now, I think. Uh, phenomenal career. Also host of the new podcast and YouTube series, The Darren Woodson Show, new episodes twice a week. We're all about promotion here, here Darren. Yeah. Uh, uh, ESPN, we see we see Darren as an analyst on NFL uh, programming on ESPN. We could go on about his charity work, Make-A-Wish Foundation board member, way, way many other things. And by the way, we mentioned ESPN. He's also a partner at ESRP Commercial Real Estate. This is another, the latest in a long line of athletes who are not from Dallas, came to Dallas, had a career here, and stayed and did phenomenal things in the community and in business. So uh, Darren, as I welcome you to the mic drop, I wanna point out to, to Monica, there were only two defensive players from those Cowboys Super Bowl teams in that, that 90s era that entered the ring of honor, the Cowboys ring of honor. The other one was friend of the program, Charles Haley, who we had on the show. Hmm. Oh, man, how did that go? I'm interested to hear how that went. <laughs> well, actually, Darren, you have a pretty high bar to hit. Uh, Charles was uh, fantastic. So uh, I, I can't say. Maybe it was intentional that we had you on right after Charles. But uh, we'll, 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 so, we'll give on, you a grade. We'll on. give you a grade Darren, afterwards. <laughs> Charles Haley came to the studio and presented Monica with flowers. Oh, Oh, so there's no way I'm winning this. One. Uh, Monica, yeah, well, I see. The day is still young, Darren. Day, day is still young. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for joining us. Uh, so, Darren, the Ford's, uh, Forbes evaluation of the Cowboys just came out. Uh, Five point seven billion. Uh, once wow. again, uh, Cowboys at the at the top of the list. Mm. Why do you think the team's financial viability never really seems to waver? The Cowboys uh, are, are top of the list every year. Why is that? It's Jerry Jones. 
uh, you're talking about a market. Look, I, I mean, from from the days of Tech Scram when when uh, when they started when they created America's Team back then, now they've always done a great job of marketing. I think Jerry has absolutely taken it to the next level, and it shows you how brilliant Jerry Jones is. And I used to have this argument on the set at ESPN with a guy named Stephen Stephen A. And Stephen A would talk about the Cowboys and he hated Jerry Jones and he couldn't understand why Jerry Jones was a Hall of Fame owner and all. And, and he had some valid points. And those points being, you know, Cowboys haven't won a Super Bowl since, you know, Stephen A, since 1995. You know how he is. He's all <laughs> animated. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. But, you know, and, and that's been a shortcoming for this football team. But it also speaks to the brilliance of who Jerry Jones is. This organization has not been to the Super Bowl since 1995, but still the most relevant organization in America's sports. You know, that's genius to stay in front of it on the marketing side. Yeah, your team is not winning the championships, but yet on the marketing side, everyone knows who you are. And I, to I totally get it because the Jones family understands the game. And this is a long game. This is a marathon game for them. This is not a sprint. And, you know, I hope they get back to a championship. The organization does. But at the same time, there's no denying that they know how to market this organization. Oh, yeah. And I think uh, I think many fans would like to see them get back to a, uh, yeah. a championship yeah. game, too. And I, I think uh, a lot of people don't understand maybe the business side of it. Uh, uh, as well, but we see a lot of ex-cowboys uh, get opportunities in both business and, and in media. You've done both uh, yourself. Um, is that also related to how the world views the cowboys and maybe Dallas uh, in general? Well, yeah, I, I think so. I think there's there's a lot of opportunities here in Dallas, and, and for obvious reasons. Like this is pro business. Uh, you know, Texas is very pro business. One. Uh, helps you out on the tax tax side as a pro athlete. So a lot of guys stay around here. Uh, I think the Jones family does a great job of helping open, opening doors for, for those players that are transitioning out. Uh, we've had a lot of great players such as Roger Staubach, who's come, come back to, to help a lot of uh, younger players. And uh, there's some programs that, you know, Roger came through early on when I was playing in the 90s, and you just saw a man go from the sport world to the business world, and he totally got it. And I absolutely admire that about him. Bob Rooney, another one. So there were a number of former players that were successful in business. Uh, and, and that was my next step. I, I understood, you know, when I was playing in like my ninth, 10th year, that this was going to come to an end. And what was the next, where was going to be my next landing? I ended up moving on to ESPN, but at the same time, I was doing a lot of business on the, on the real estate side of things at, at the same time. And now, you know, let's fast forward it 16, 14 years later, uh, I'm in the commercial real estate game and absolutely love what I'm doing. And now what a pleasure to be joined by Michael Finley. Vice President and Assistant GM of the Dallas Mavericks, 15-year NBA career. Not a lot of guys can say that. Of course, nine years with the Mavericks. He averaged 20 points. Finn, I'm a PR guy. He actually averaged 19.8. I believe in rounding up on matters like this. So we're going with 20 points a game for your nine years in Dallas. Two-time NBA All-Star. Won a championship with the Spurs in 2007. Close to my heart, a Chicago guy. Proviso East High School. We could talk about that for a whole program, Finn. Doc Rivers, 
Sterling Brown, right? Newly acquired uh, by the Mavericks. I'm sure you're taking him under his wing. Uh, University of Wisconsin, 21st pick of the 1995 draft. We're going to talk about that. We're going to redraft the 95 draft here in a minute. Uh, and, and and the Badgers uh, have finally gotten around to retiring the number 24 that uh, that that Michael wore in, in Madison. So way to go there. The Michael Finley Foundation does great work to help kids reach their potential, both inside and outside the classroom. We're going to spend a minute on that. He's in the movie business. We could talk to Finley all day. Personally, one of my all-time favorite players I got to work with in my Mavericks years. Uh, Finn, thanks so much for, for uh, hopping on the mic drop today. Hey, it's no problem. Thanks for having me. I don't know if you remember this. When the trade happened, when uh, when we when we traded Jason along with Tony Dumas and and Lauren Lauren uh, Meyer, right? Lauren Myers uh, Lauren from Meyer. the yeah Lauren Meyer from the Mavericks to the Suns for you, AC Green and Sam Cassell. I was asked to fly out to Phoenix on the team plane to to pick you guys up and fly back. So I flew out there. I'm on this big Mavericks, you know the DC nine by myself, which was weird. And then, and the one thing I want, I don't remember is I remember you and AC, I, you were there for sure. I remember AC, but I remember picking up Sam at DFW in my, in my car later. I don't know why we made Sam Cassell fly commercial. Uh, but, but that was a long time ago. Uh, but it was, it was the first time we met and you were a pro every step of the way, uh, all throughout your career and now into your uh, executive, uh, days. So talk a little bit about the journey from those days to these days. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a, uh, a whirlwind, but it's been a good one. Uh, I've had some ups and downs, but uh, a lot more ups than downs. And it's, it's been, it's been great. I've met some great people over the years. Uh, and just reminiscing when you're bringing up that whole uh, draft, I mean, the trade situation, the crazy thing about that is, um, how I got the call that I had been traded. So I'm sitting, it's, it's December 26, uh, 1996. I'm actually sitting in my house in Phoenix with my nephew at the time. Um, and we're watching the Mavericks game. And the announcer says, um, Jason Kidd is not coming out of the locker room. Rumors has it that he's been traded. So I go to my nephew, I was like, how stupid would the Mavericks be <laughs> to trade Jason Kidd? Rookie of the year. He's a good friend of mine. I was, I was like a hell of a player. Why would the Mavericks be that stupid to trade that guy? And lo and behold, five minutes later, my phone rang. And Danny Ainge was telling me that I got traded to Dallas for Jason Kidd. So it was, that was, a, that was a, uh, an emotional night, a crazy night, but it all worked out for the better, I think, for both myself and Jason. Well, it all worked out, you know, and that you both came back. So that, so that's a good part. So in 1995, you were the 21st player selected in that draft, and I, I asked uh, my my uh, I asked for a detailed analysis of that draft by my favorite Mavericks employee on the basketball operations staff, a very smart guy. And he came back and told me that if the draft were redone today, uh, you would go third behind KG and Rasheed Wallace. Now, that's a big jump from 21. We've got you ahead of Jerry Stackhouse. Uh, how much did that motivate you? And we can make a case about you going number two, by the way. Uh, but 
How much did that motivate you that you were overlooked so much coming out of college and, and so quickly uh, proved yourself in the NBA? Well, it was, it was a big motivation because, you know, it's especially uh, some of the guys that were, were picked in front of me, I always thought that I were not only better college players than them, but I thought that my game translated to the NBA game better than those guys but you know the teams ahead of me saw differently so it was a big motivation especially uh, earlier in my career when you know I faced those guys uh, for the first time I wanted to prove uh, to those teams that passed me up that they got it wrong and to prove that the guys that they uh, picked over me were was not the right pick so that was that was always been a motivation for me uh, uh, the beginning of my career and throughout my career, I just seemed like every stop that I was at, that I had to to, to prove myself. So that was kind of like my chip on on the shoulder. Is it true that that Phil Jackson at one point told you the Bulls were going to take you at at thirteen? I think they were they were picking. No, actually, the Bulls were twenty, right? Oh, and, twenty. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. And he said, "Well, you'll never get to 20. He said, "You'll never get to twenty, but I don't, I don't even know why we're doing this interview. Uh, when I went to work out with them. And um, at the time, Phil was a big fan of mine, but the late, great Jerry Cross was not a fan of mine. So I knew I had that going against me. And when 20 came and, you know, I was actually at the, at the draft in the green room. And what people don't know, you know, before you're getting drafted by where the camera would go. So when it came to 20 and the camera didn't come in front of me, I was like, well, I told my mom, I'm not going to Chicago. And she's like, why? I was like, you'll see. And they end up picking Jason Caffey. And then the next pick was Phoenix and the camera got in front of me. So I knew I was going there. Yeah, I know that, uh, you know, Jerry Cross didn't miss many, but he, he missed on, on that one. 